Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs. In this episode, we'll be in Matthew 24, finally finishing this chapter, starting in verse 36 and going through the end. Uh, we've been here for several weeks, and it's been kind of confusing, and um, my my thoughts are muddled on this chapter, as well as everybody else's, and so that really hasn't been conducive to a discussion of this whole chapter, but hopefully today we'll be able to uh, settle some things and bring it all around at the end here, and it'll all start making sense again. Uh, Jesus didn't say this stuff to be super confusing. He actually said it to clarify some things. And so if we take this text and we end up being super confused by it, we're probably reading it in the wrong way. And so Jesus does his best, and honestly, he does a very good job of trying to clarify some things here at the end of it. In the opening of Matthew 24, Jesus was asked, like, when is the destruction of the temple going to happen? And when is the end of the world going to come? And he decides to answer both of those in the same in the same chapter, in the same context, by using the same language. He he has used Matthew 24 to talk about the end of Jerusalem and the end of the temple with it, but also the end of the world. And he's used these two ideas in parallel, and he and he's addressed both of them. But last time we actually saw the closing, I, what I believe is the closing of the Jerusalem part. Um, Jesus has been asked, when is Jerusalem going to be destroyed? Well, here's some signs. Um, if you see the abomination of desolation, whatever that looks like, don't really know what that was. Um, but when you see that, you start praying. When you see the Roman army come uh, against you, you start praying. Um, that, that was a word of advice a, a couple sections ago. But then in verses 29 through 31, he ends up talking very cosmic language. Sounds like the end of the world is coming. And then in verses 32 through 35, what he does is he pulls all these things around and he says, look, when you see all these signs, when you see the little things that point to you that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, like the Romans camped outside your gates. Right? When you see the, the horrible abominations that are happening in Jerusalem, when you see all these bad things that are happening inside of the city of Jerusalem, you take notice because that means Jerusalem is about gone. And hey, this is all going to happen right then. This is, this is, you're going to watch it happen. <laughs> this generation isn't going to leave before all these things take place. It's going to be taking, it's going to be happening in the next. 30, 40, 50 years, that this is going to happen, okay? That's that's a fact, and, and that's what you have to deal with. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed, and you'll, you'll know it. You'll be able to tell well enough. If by nothing else, then you'll see a bunch of Romans camped out there for a little bit while they besiege the city, and then it gets ultimately destroyed, right? And so he finishes in verse 34 and 35, like, this is this is final. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And it's a very like conclusive statement. Here is the end of Jerusalem. That's what it's going to look like, and be ready for that. And then in verse 36, he picks up with now concerning something else, right? Now, now concerning that day or hour, and he just goes off on something else, which is, I believe it's not about Jerusalem anymore. No, now he's talking about the end of the world. And the language from 29 through 35, and really the whole chapter of chapter 24, can be applied to this end-of-the-world imagery. It might not have been specifically about that, but it definitely is pointing towards it. 
And now, ultimately, the end of the world is what he's coming down to. And so after getting Jerusalem stuff out of the way, now he'll talk about the earth itself. If that makes sense, hopefully that's, that's clear. And if you have questions on that, I can try to clarify further, but, but further comment at this point will not be helpful, and it will just serve to muddy the waters. So he was talking about Jerusalem. Now he's talking about the earth itself, starting in verse 36. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, except the Father alone. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding grain with a handmill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming, but know this. If the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What he said in verses 32 through 35 is you can see some of these signs happening, and when, that, when those are coming to fruition... Be warned, Jerusalem's about to be destroyed. What he says here is, now concerning that day and hour, when the Son of Man comes back, right? When the, when the return of the Son of Man happens, nobody knows when that's going to happen. Not even the Son of Man knows when that's going to happen. God knows when that's going to happen, but God the Father has not seen the need to share it with the son at least at this point um he hasn't seen the need to share it to all the angels and such at least at this at least at at that point in history god didn't have a reason to give everyone that information and so he didn't but god has a plan and god's going to let the world end at some point or he's going to come and end the world at some point and when that comes, you do need to be ready for it, but you're not going to have any forewarning. You know what the forewarning is? The forewarning is when you see wards and rumors of wars in the first part of chapter 24. The forewarning is when you see false prophets in the second part of chapter 24. The forewarning is when you see Jesus standing at the door, which is now, anytime, really anytime he could come in, and we just don't know. In the days of the flood, if you remember all the way back to Genesis 6 and 7 and 8, um, or, well, Genesis uh, 7, 8, and 9, it's one of those two. No, it's 6, 7, 8. Um, in, in, back in early Genesis, the end, or the, the flood happens, and everybody's living their normal lives, and then one day the rain hits, and everybody drowns, and, and that's it. And they didn't get any warning. Of course, they got warning from Noah telling them about it, but they didn't listen to it. You know what the warning is for us? The warning is Matthew 24. By the way, God's going to enact vengeance at some point in the future, and you don't want to face that vengeance. So um, prepare yourself and live faithfully. The people of Noah's day didn't do that. And then the flood just came on them one day, suddenly out of nowhere, and they died. Right? The people of our day, if they don't do that, then one day the Son of Man's going to come back and they're just going to die out of nowhere. And they're not going to know what to expect because they didn't listen. 
They didn't listen to Jesus's command that he is coming back. At some point, we don't know when, but at some point, and we need to be ready. When the Son of Man comes, it's like in verse 40, there are two people in the field, and then suddenly there's one person in the field. What happened to the other guy? We don't know. It just, it just happened. He's gone, and it's so sudden, and it's quick, and it's abrupt, and there's no explanation, and there's no forewarning, there's no buildup, there's a woman who, there are two women who are grinding in a mill, and then suddenly, one of them's just gone, right? It, it, it's like a magic trick where somebody just disappears off the face of the earth. W- when does this happen? Well, we don't know. What, what does it look like? Well, we don't know. Because it's just sudden, and it's quick, and it's been decided, and there's nothing you can do about it. That person's just gone. There's no getting them back. You didn't know they were going to leave. They just left. That's what the coming of the Son of Man is going to be like. It's just sudden. You don't know when it's coming. But here's what you do know. In verse 43, what you do know is the Son of Man's coming back. Right? What you do know is that you, there is a danger here. There is a judgment here. There is a, um, a reckoning at the end of time that is very important and that is coming down upon you. If you own a house and you know that a thief is going to break into your house at night, are you just going to go to bed and let him break in and steal stuff? You're not. You're going to stay awake. And be there to fend him off and be there to ward him off and be there to sound the alarm or call the police or whatever it is. You're going to be there if you know that he's there, right? People only get surprised by thieves when they don't expect it. What Jesus is saying is you should always expect it. Be that homeowner who always, who who is aware that the thief is coming that night. Always be ready. Always be prepared. And then... You can't be surprised if you're always prepared. Of course, the analogy doesn't carry perfectly. No analogy really does. Um, But that's, that's the picture, is that something unexpected is coming. If you knew what the unexpected thing was, you would prepare for it. Do we know what the unexpected thing is in this instance? Do we know that Jesus is coming back? Yes. And that's going to be unexpected when it happens. So be prepared for it because you know that you should be. Verse 44, Jesus seals that deal again. This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Jesus is coming back. Judgment is coming. Destruction is coming. At some point, we don't know when. But God has told you it's coming, and he expects you to be ready for it when it does come. So just always be prepared. If you're always living how God wants you to, if you're always being like Jesus, if you're always following the way that God has told you to, then you will succeed. Then you will pass the test. Then you will be safe and you will be with the Lord. And the coming of the day of the Lord will be a joyous thing. But there are a bunch of people who won't prepare for that, who are going to be very, very sorrowful on that day when they have no more joy. And that's really what the ending section of chapter 24 is about. Jesus gives a couple of examples here of people on both sides. One person who prepares and one person who who doesn't prepare. In verse 45, Matthew 24 and verse 45, 
Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, well, my master is delayed, and he starts to beat his fellow servants, and he eats and drinks with drunkards, that servant's master will come on a day that he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, what's the difference between these two servants? Between the righteous and the blessed one and the uh, wicked and the evil one? Uh, what's the difference between these two servants? They're both put in charge. They're both supposed to give to their fellow servants. They're both supposed to be the ones who are doing their job that the master has given. It's just one of them is faithful and is doing the job when his master shows up. And one of them says, well, my master will be a while, so I can misuse this time and use it to serve myself. So he beats the other people, he eats and drinks, and he doesn't realize how late it's getting until his master shows back up and um, common <laughs> recommandeers his job and throws out that evil servant, right? Um, back when I was a kid, back when I was like early to mid-teens, I guess, 13 to 16 or 17, um, my mom had a habit of, of leaving the house uh, Wednesdays, like late morning to early afternoon, and she would go grocery shopping. That was her her grocery shopping time, and she'd leave me at the house, and she'd give me a list of things to do, and said, by the time I come back at like 2 or 2.30, you should have all this stuff done, and you know what I said in my early teenage years? I said, well, my mother is delayed, so I can just, uh, I, I, I don't have to do this yet, and then pretty much every single time, 2 or 2.30 rolls around, and my mother shows up, and I didn't do the things that I was supposed to do, even though I'd had the list the whole time, what I said was, I, I don't know when she's, or I do know when she's coming back. It's going to be a little bit later, so I have time to misuse right now. See, that's a very basic human inclination, and I'm not excusing myself at all. That was just a, a, a stupid and wrong thing for me to do, um, but, th but that's a very base level human motivation. If I need to get something done right now, I will do it. But if the deadline's not for a week or two, then I won't do it for a week or two. And I'll wait until the last possible moment to turn things in, right? That's the basic functionality of every high school and college student. That's the basic function of so many people is waiting for the deadline before you start doing something. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want you to wait until he shows up in 10 years and then you start following him in 10 years. He wants you to follow him now. Partly because you don't know if you're going to live that long. Partly because you don't know if, if you're going to last that long. Maybe you won't be in a fit situation in 10 years. You might be dead. You might be hospitalized. You might be in whatever mode of life where you can't follow him anymore in 10 years. You don't know that. But also... God doesn't want you to waste the time that you have to serve him. Stop being the wicked servant who goes off and serves himself because God's coming back far in the future 
start being the righteous servant who does his job. And then whenever God does come back, whether it is soon or whether it is far away, you're covered because you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. Do you want to be the servant who's cut into pieces and given a place with the hypocrites in hell? Or do you want to be the servant whom God puts in charge of many things? That's the basic question here. If we knew when Jesus was coming back, odds are we'd probably waste that time. God doesn't care for you to know when Jesus is coming back. That's irrelevant to you. What he does care that you know is that you need to be ready right now. Maybe Jesus comes back right now. Maybe it's 10 minutes from now. Maybe it's 10 years. Maybe it's not in your lifetime. But whatever the case, if you're following Jesus right now, then you'll be ready right now. And that's what Jesus is calling you towards. He said that in verse 20 or in verse 42. Be alert, you don't know when your Lord is coming. Verse 44. This is why you're to be ready because the son of man is coming at an hour you don't expect. And so what are you supposed to do? It's in verses 45 and 46. Be the faithful and wise servant. Be the one who's blessed because his master finds him actually doing the job when he comes. There are a lot of people who want to find, um, they, they want to look and they want to figure out when Jesus is coming back so that they can plan towards it. God hasn't even told Jesus when he's coming back, okay? You're not going to find that out. Stop trying to use Matthew 24 to find that information out. You're not going to succeed. God hasn't told us when Jesus is coming back, but he's told us one better. He's told us that Jesus is coming and that we need to be ready at whatever moment that does end up happening. That's the warning, but it's also a promise. It just depends. You, you understanding it as a warning or a promise depends on what side of the matter you're on. Are you on God's side? It's a blessing and a promise. If, are you against God? Are you that wicked servant who's doing whatever you want to do? Then it's it's not a blessing. It's a, it's a terrible punishment and a promise. And God is really good at keeping his promises. Since Jesus is coming back, that is the fact. What are you going to do about it? And that's what Matthew 24 ends off with. 23 is a commendation... or a condemnation, not a commendation, a condemnation of the Pharisees for not relying on God, not looking to him, not uh, putting their, um, their future and their confidence in him. Matthew 24, that, that was Matthew 23, Matthew 24 is a recognition that Jesus is coming back, and so you do actually need to be putting everything on him, and you do actually need to be following him. And you do actually need to be fully dedicating yourself towards him, right? It's a correction to the Pharisees that they need to be putting themselves towards God and focusing on God right now. And it's a warning to us as well. And it's only going to get furthered as we go into the next chapter in chapter 25, as we run across about three different stories that all teach us some things about the end times and about really just being ready for when Jesus is coming back. Being faithful to God right now 
and not just waiting for the end. So thanks for listening. Hopefully you, that's something that you're able to take and use. It's a lot clearer um, than, than several of the, the episodes throughout Matthew 24. Um, sorry for the confusion and for the complications. It is a hard chapter to talk about, and that doesn't excuse me not talking about it well, but it is a hard chapter to talk about. Um, and so hopefully seeing the end, seeing Jesus's conclusion and kind of the, the, the end of the whole matter, it starts making sense of the entire chapter. We don't know when Jesus is coming, but be faithful anyway. And that's been a theme all throughout, and I've tried to bring that up all throughout, but really that's where he comes around to. And so whatever the, the, the questions in the middle, ultimately follow God. <laughs> right now that's what he comes back to so hopefully that's much clearer to see and easier to understand and hopefully that's a, a helpful thing for you as well as we're thinking forwards into uh, at the end of this chapter and then into the next chapter uh thanks for listening hope you enjoyed and i'll see you on the next episode of biblical breadcrumbs